0: Welcome to the Hills, all of you in person at West Fort Worth and South Lake Campus, NRH Campus, and of course the huge uh, number of people watching online, not just in Tarrant County, but all over the world. Thank you for joining us, especially in the month of January, as we talk frankly and openly about anxiety. And one thing I want you all to be aware of is that we prepare discussion questions for every sermon. And this series especially, I think, doesn't just need to be heard, it needs to be processed. So you can go online and download our discussion questions, and I would encourage you to get back into your community groups, whether you're meeting in person or meeting virtually, and process together the things that we're going to discuss, because we're talking about something that is very real and Something that is, frankly, been quite devastating to so many of us. So I begin with a story you may have heard of the four old women in a car pulled over by a policeman just past downtown Fort Worth on I-35. And the lady driving couldn't understand. Officer, why did you pull me over? I know I wasn't speeding. No, ma'am, he said. You weren't driving too fast. You're driving too slow what do you mean? I'm driving the speed limit. Look, that sign says 35, and I'm driving 35 miles an hour. And he chuckled and said, no, ma'am, that's not the speed limit sign. That's the highway number sign. Then he noticed the other three women who looked white as sheets, and he said, ma'am, is everything okay? She said, no problem. We just got off highway 121. Now, (laughs) don't we feel like that, that we have just exited the hardest year many of us have ever gone through. And it's not surprising people are feeling tense and uptight. And maybe the holidays helped for you, but even the holidays felt weird this year, didn't they? I knew it was going to be a strange Christmas early in December when I went to Lowe's to get some poinsettias, and this is what I saw. Okay, now that's a scary looking flower right there. So I plan my sermons well in advance, usually over a year in advance. So I had planned this month to do a series on anxiety before I knew the kind of year 2020 was going to be, before COVID, before the pandemic, and for good reason. Did you know the American Institute of Health estimates over 75% Of all visits to primary care physicians are for stress-related problems. This is pre-COVID. The American Medical Association finds stress to be a factor in 75% of all illnesses people suffer from. Right now, anxiety is the number one health issue for women in America. It is number two for men after drug and alcohol abuse, which I would argue is the way men cope with anxiety. And do we really think a year full of contagion and hospitalizations, political turmoil, racial unrest, social isolation, have lowered the stress levels? And perhaps that explains What Amazon reports, they keep track of the books people download on their Kindles and their laptops. They keep track of the things they highlight. The most highlighted book is the Bible. And according to Amazon, the most highlighted passage, would you want to guess, is not John 3, 16. It's not the 23rd Psalm. It's this one. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. Seriously? Thank you very much, Pastor. Not only do I feel anxious, but now I feel guilty because I feel anxious. Well, if it's any consolation, I feel anxious preaching a series about anxiety. I've been feeling anxious for several weeks about this series. So, let's all try to keep calm and do a little more exploring of what the Scriptures are actually saying. And the first thing the Scriptures acknowledge is that anxiety is real. The capacity for anxiety does not mean that you're weak, or that you're possessed, or that you're unfaithful. It means you're human. Remember, God created us with nervous systems. Anxiety can be healthy, because it can help us meet real challenges and develop real resilience. If you see a child playing in a busy street, Or if you see a car coming towards you weaving between the lanes, you need to be anxious so that you can take appropriate action. If you're anxious about passing your course, maybe you'll put the remote down and pick up a textbook and start studying. If you have a pain in your side or you feel a lump where a lump should not be, that anxiety will cause you to go to the doctor and perhaps prevent what could be a serious health problem. I would contend Jesus, the night before he goes to the cross, is in the garden and he's under great anxious stress because he's human. The world doesn't need the witness of a kind of phony faith that suggests if you're a Christian, you don't have a care in the world. Okay, can I just be honest? Wouldn't you just one Sunday like to turn on the TV and see Joel Olstein missing a tooth? Or his hair all messed up. (laughs) Anxiety is real. And pretending otherwise is not real helpful. And this could be a good place then to acknowledge something that frankly caused me some anxiety before this series started. The last thing I want to do is make people feel worse about their struggle with anxiety. Because anxiety can have a lot of different sources, okay? Anxiety can have a physiological basis. It can be because of a chemical imbalance. And it's good to go and see a doctor. Anxiety can be rooted in emotional trauma that needs to be explored with a competent counselor. So you just need to know there's different kind of churches out there. And some churches just give you a refrigerator magnet and say that fixes all your problems. We're not that kind of church. We think medicines and we think doctors and therapists are graces of God. And we encourage people to be good stewards of these gifts. What I want to do in this series is talk about the kind of anxiety that has a spiritual dimension. The kind that is rooted in a heart that has become divided or disordered. The kind of anxiety Jesus talked about when he said, why do you worry so much? What you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. I'm talking about the kind of anxiety that reveals we have a lust for control and that we get frustrated when life won't Bow down to our orders. The kind of anxiety that reveals a lack of trust in God. Now when Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. The word there he uses is in the Greek, it was a present indicative. It was a verb for continuing action. So what he literally said is, do not live in a state of perpetual anxiety. Paul is not saying you're never going to have an anxious moment. He's saying we don't have to live in a state of constant emotional and mental stress. And remember, Paul's writing this from prison. And so, let's finish that sentence. He's saying anxiety is real, but it does not have to be a cell. As followers of Jesus, we have spiritual resources that can liberate us from the bondage of a perpetually anxious existence. So so let's go back to that text that everyone highlights on Kindle. We're going to look at the verse right in front of it and right after it. And for the next four weeks out of this text, we're going to build a strategy for learning to live less anxiously. So it starts in verse 4. Rejoice whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now what Paul is doing is he's giving us some strategies so that we can keep calm. So we're going we're gonna to develop four strategies in this series. Next week, We're going to unpack that verse about prayers and petitions and requests. Because Paul is saying, you need to ask God for what you need. And then in two weeks, he says, with thanksgiving, and he's going to talk later about living gracefully. We've got to learn to be content. You're not born content. It is something you learn to do. And then the final thing he said was, you're never going to live anxious Free until you learn to capture the thoughts that are haunting you. You've got to learn to mend your mind. Now those are all critical strategies for living a calm life. But everything hinges on the very first thing we must do to escape the prison of the anxious life. We've got to learn to develop a settled confidence In the nearness and goodness of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is near. So what I want to do to start is just take you to the simple words of Jesus. Jesus gets us. He knows what we struggle with. Listen to what he said. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It may sound trite, it might sound preachy, but I didn't make that up. I just read what Jesus said. Do you want a restful soul? Go to Jesus. Now, last year, where did you go when your soul was troubled? Some of us went to drugs and to alcohol. For some of us, the pornography addiction returned. Some of us went to shopping online. Thinking something new in the closet will make me feel better. Some of us went to Netflix and we binged over and over and over again. Some of us went to politics and we put our hope in politics to settle our troubled So, See, I think one of the things the pandemic did was it revealed our idols Some of us were anxious because we couldn't go to the things that we used to settle us down. We couldn't go to concerts and we couldn't go to sporting events. Listen again to Jesus. Come to me and you will find rest for your soul. So there's this dinner party that Martha is going to throw for Jesus. She's in the kitchen She's cooking. She's getting everything ready. And Mary's out there listening to Jesus. There's place settings to put on the table. There's iced tea to be poured. And Mary's taking notes, having Bible study with Jesus. And Martha goes and complains. Look what Jesus said. Martha, Martha, by the way, when Jesus says your name twice, just buckle up. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Stop right there. How many of you can put your name right there? Jim, Jim. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Susan, Susan. Fred, Fred. For some of you right now, this is your verse. You're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Which will not be taken away from her. Okay, listen. You're going to continue to lose the battle with anxiety. Until you ground your soul in the one thing you can never lose. Perhaps it goes without saying. I'm not going to say anything in this series that's going to help your stress level if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't think He's the Son of God. The truth that I'm going to share is based in the supernatural realm. The life that Jesus is inviting us into is only attainable if He really is who He says He is. But if He is then a new normal is possible for all of us. Now, let me illustrate that. I've never seen this show called The Deadliest Catch, but I understand it depicts how dangerous the commercial fishing industry can be. Perhaps you remember several years ago, off the coast of New Jersey, in the space of about two weeks, three different ships, all from the same dock, sank and ten Lives were lost not because the boats were not seaworthy not because the captains were inexperienced but in all three cases because they had between 10 to 15 tons of too much weight in the boat you see what had happened over time this had become normal the boats just put it more and more eager for profit they just kept adding and adding and it caught up with them Because they were trying to survive in a way they weren't built for. And how much are we doing this? We we are just calling normal the frantic pace we're keeping. Wearing ourselves out, overwhelmed, and thinking, well, this is just how it is. I'll just get up a little earlier. I'll just stay up a little later. I'll do this a little bit more. How's that working for you? Why are we calling normal a frantic, exhausted, emotionally, crazy life we can't keep carrying this kind of mental and emotional weight and think we're not going to sink Jesus says come to me and find some rest for your soul he's offering rest to the stressed now hear me he's not saying take a break from work he's not offering a break He's offering a breakthrough. He's inviting us to live life from a place of rest. He's going back to the creation account and God's original intent. Go back and read Genesis 1 today. Have you ever noticed at the end of every day and there was evening and there was morning that God's day begins with rest It's not work and then go rest. It is rest and work out of that. Adam was created on the sixth day. What was the seventh day? Adam's first full day as a man was a day of rest. This is how we were created. This is how we were intended to live. And and what Jesus is saying is, now that's how it's going to be when I come back and I set up the new heaven and the new earth and we restore all things, but you don't have to wait for that. You don't have to wait for me to come back to start entering into the life you were created for. So how do we do that? How do we live from this place of rest when there's just so much unrest all around us? Well, we're going to have to learn to get the focus off of what if and get it back onto what is. Go back to that first verse Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near restful souls put the worst thing that could happen up against who God is now let me be very clear Jesus never promised us a life without stressful situations what he promised was that he could give us a peace on the inside that couldn't be erased by the trouble on the outside so let's go to the night before he goes into the cross. His last words to His disciples. He's going to say what's on His heart most of all. And I want you to notice the theme of His final discourse. Look at John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts... Be troubled and do not be afraid. Now let's go to the end of that discourse. The very last thing they heard him say. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And now let's go to the very first Thing He said that night, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You get the thing? Do not let trouble trouble you. You're going to have troubles, but your heart doesn't have to be troubled, believe in me. Now what I'm about to say may seem simplistic, it's certainly going to sound preachy, but I'm just quoting Jesus. Belief is what keeps troubles from robbing our souls of peace. Or put it like this, relieving anxiety starts with believing Jesus. Jesus. So I remember I was four or five years old, I was in Waco, Texas. I wanted to play in the pool, but I didn't know how to swim. So I I have this memory that a lot of you have being on the side of the pool, and my dad is about five feet out into the water saying, Jump, I'm here, jump. And I had to make a decision. This is not the life I want. I want the life out there. But I am gonna have to trust my father. I am going to have to let trust of my Father transcend fear of the water. And guess what? I got the life I wanted because my dad kept his promise. Look at this powerful verse in Isaiah. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Escaping the bondage of anxiety requires a better fix. Now, this past year, many of us experienced heightened levels of anxiety. And here's where I ask the hard question Could it be because we have functionally stopped? coming to Jesus our thoughts our affections our hopes were fixed somewhere else and anxiety will always be inevitable when anything even if it's a good thing becomes the one thing you turn to instead of Jesus So let me go out on a limb a little bit. Because in my many years of being a pastor, I never saw a year where there was so much political division and turmoil in the church. And it was about a week before the election. And within an hour, I had two separate conversations with two different men who would both claim to be followers of Jesus. Good men. Men of high moral fiber and character. Men that if you gave them a test on the orthodoxy, they would get every question about who Jesus is right. And both men were absolutely consumed with anxiety. And here's the thing. Each man was going to vote for a different person. And as I talked to them, I just got burdened with sadness. Sadness. Sadness for them. They claim faith. They have an intellectual understanding of faith. And their faith in that moment was completely useless. Their souls were troubled. Their witness was lost. They had the wrong fix, and it wasn't working. And I told them both the same thing. I'm not anxious. I have political opinions just like you do. But that's not what settles my heart. I told them Jesus is Lord. That His kingdom will endure. That my hope is not in any mortal man or any temporary government system. And that no matter who wins the election, I will wake up the next morning in love with the same God, with the same mission and purpose and calling on my life. (laughs) Worry can reveal that you've forgotten what kingdom you're a part of. And so this would be a good day to name it, confess it, and ask God to turn your heart back to who He is is this would be a good year to double down on Jesus. Now I don't know exactly what that means for you. But His words are still true. Come to me. I can give your soul rest. See anxiety is contagious. But here's the thing, so is calm. We know this, don't we? There are some people and they can just walk into a room and everyone just relaxes a little bit. And right now, our world desperately needs the witness of a people who know how to keep calm. And I think it will cause many more to decide to come to Jesus. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. I discovered something really important in 2020. I really do believe in Jesus. I really do believe He is the Son of God. I believe He really is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe He really does live inside me in the person of the Holy Spirit. I believe He really has paid for all my sins through His death on the cross. I believe He really did physically rise from the grave. And that he has guaranteed my own defeat of death. I believe he really does reign right now on his throne in heaven. I believe he really is the head of the church. And that the very gates of hell cannot stop his church from her mission of setting people free. I believe he will return and reign on the earth and everything sin has ever marred will be restored And I believe right now He is near and that He really does care about me. And while I don't know what will happen tomorrow, what I believe is keeping me calm today. And so I invite you, come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. Would you pray with me, please? And so, God, I don't know who needs this message. Well, I know that we all need this message. But I also know I'm talking very specifically right now to someone at each campus and online who's tired of calling soul-weariness normal, who's tired of living so anxious and worried and so God please send your Holy Spirit in a powerful way in a fresh supernatural way to convict comfort and compel us to come to Jesus and thank you Jesus for being so faithful to every promise you've ever made Thank you for telling the truth. You didn't promise a life without trouble. You did promise a heart that could stay at at peace. And you promised to return to make all things right. But Jesus, we don't want to wait till then to start stepping into the life we could have. And so help us, God. Help us learn to keep calm. For Jesus' sake. For our sake and for the sake of an anxious world that needs a new normal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.